Hello. And welcome to Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody and Kathy. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back. We made it alive. Yes, it's supposed to be spring. And what happened with spring in Utah? Well, historically normal to get a snowstorm or two in the end in the, in of March. But I, I honestly have not seen snow like this since I was a little kid. I mean, I just have not seen it. just continues to pound us. Yeah, the one time I, I want the dumb groundhog. <laughs> Are, are you okay? This, this, I, I'm this the one that time, drove us here. I just, this time, I just wish that the groundhog would be wrong. Yeah. Like always. But, you know, he's like, I see my shadow, so there's six more weeks of winter or eight or whatever. Is that what happened? Yeah. Oh. He saw his shadow. And uh, I'm like, oh, I wondered what, what, what was going on, where all the snow came from. Yeah, it's a dumb groundhog. Well, w- welcome to our podcast. We made it alive. Yes. Uh, we... I, I, we have an inside joke that I listened to my my other my other wife who's actually just ways. She's an app. She's an app, but you know I'm I'm always trying to decide to listen to her or my wife when when I'm driving. So I, I tease her that usually my my other side is is right. But this morning it told us to go up over the mountain to get to our podcast faster, and uh, so we thought there may be some accidents on the freeway, but. So we, we enjoy some nice mountain driving yep. in uh, one of the biggest snowstorms I've been in in a long time. Yep. Some nice snow driving and massive amount of prayers <laughs> yeah. along the way. Yeah. And we, we have, you know, the Atlas is awesome, but it doesn't matter when you're going down a hill. It doesn't matter when you need to stop. You, you, ha- you know, so you, it, everything needs to, 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 to stop. And so anyway, that was, that was fun. I know, and then we would have some idiots that wants to tail us, too. And it's like, what are you, like, yeah. seriously? Well, I kind of drive a little bit in the snow. Like, I, I, my, I remember my, I was telling you coming down here, my dad always told me, slower is always better in the snow, slower, better. So I, I probably overdo it a little bit, but in a canyon like that, that was like, I can't believe they were telling me. It's like, what, where are you guys in a hurry to get to? All right, babe. Yes. What? what what's the two rules I always tell you? Number one, your wife is always right. Yeah. And number two, when in doubt, go back and read number one and slap yourself in the face. Oh, <laughs> what, where, was I wrong? Yes. <laughs> About what? The road. Oh. <laughs> well, oh, you mean listening to my other mm-hmm. my? Okay, I'm I'm a little slow. Okay, gotcha. I'm with you. Did you tell me to take the freeway? I'd rather take the freeway. <laughs> we should have turned around when we started yeah. going to the mountain, but that's okay. It was fun. And then we got, oh, and then we, we did hit a boulder and uh, blew up our tire, actually. That is a true story. So I, I hopped out and <laughs> changed that, and we're, we're here. Anyway, we're all and alive. And I have pictures, so if you like pictures, <laughs> text me or um, email me, and oh, I'll send them to man. you <laughs> as that's a proof. crazy. Well, 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 we're here. We're here. And, I, you know, we have been kicking around uh, some ideas of what to talk about today. And I just kind of want, uh, you know, want, I just kind of want to open the curtains a little bit for people to kind of see inside the industry a little bit of uh, how does it work? You know, there's, there's everyone calls themselves a financial advisor, you know, or not everyone, but a lot of people call themselves that. 
and not everyone is. It's, it's you know, and, and the real issue with that is it's, it's not really a legal term like CPA, you know, CFP. Those, those are legal terms, right? Certified financial planner or uh, certified uh, public, accountant. public accountant. So financial advisor is not a legal term. And so anyone and everyone can and, and, and does use that term. And so it's just, I just wanted to kind of peek behind, let, let people peek behind the curtains. And, and I always say kind of follow the money, follow the money and the money kind of tells you. So like, how do people get paid for their advice in, in this business? I, I kind of wanted to share that. And then when we were working with someone, it's, I think it's important to understand how, you, how they're compensated because that obviously, I don't care who you are, right? It, it, it can influence your decision making. And, and we want to unblur those lines between who, who's doing what and how and how are they compensated for, for, the, for that. Yeah, because a lot of so-called advisors aren't, telling their clients what really um what they're really paying for or like you know some portfolios have embedded fees in there that you know maybe the advisor aren't aware of that too so we're gonna uncover those details yeah we just kind of want to take the hood off and kind of say hey here's here's the engine this is kind of how it works obviously you don't probably really care but it, it is important to know like you know some of the basics like how to change a tire yeah. <laughs> right or unwrapping a present you know it's like let's take out the layers of what's really inside for sure yep you know and i i do like how you you start with what your dad told you about driving in the snow mm-hmm. right slower is better yep sometimes you know in especially in this economy right now in our current state you know you can always come back you know slower is probably better right now well, it, 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 it always has been for me. And I've actually, we've talked about this on some other podcasts where we've had some clients leave because they felt like we were being too conservative. And when you're comparing, you know, stock of a specific company to your entire portfolio, <laughs> right? You're, it's, it's not going to line up and diversification and fee structure and all, you know, understanding the goals about all that comes into play but i think you nailed it i think it definitely slower is better in in in, in building and protecting wealth and, and and i think you're right this generation of kids i have you know six children my boy called me last night he's you know he's selling solar and it's like you know i'm proud of him he's working hard they, they feel like they can sell their way out of anything or into anything and they're they're gifted. I mean, uh, both of my boys are, are very gifted, and they you know. But boy, they they're aggressive. You know, they're aggressive. Yep. They are, and I think that's why you know the schools put in this curriculum of you know having a financial literacy class. Yes, it's important because that class teach you what an investment is, and you know how to buy a car. Everything. It's it's a neat course. Yeah, when when I saw that my. My daughter was in that class and was missing eight assignments. So I was like, I'm like, Sophie, I, this is what I do for a living. What help do you need? Well, your, your younger son had the same issue. Yeah. Yeah, no. But he's better. I think, like, your youngest son is better with money. Well, Jake, Jake's very good at making. They're both very good at making it. Justin, you know, he, I think he's a little, he's not a spender. He's smarter with Well, things. I wouldn't say he's smarter, but he's a spender. Jake's a, Jake's a, or he's not a spender. He's 
not a he's spend. a saver and jake's jake's like and jake's spending he wants to invest back into his business uh but you, you gotta that's a it's a tight it's a tight wire i've been doing it my whole life i'll believe it when i see the business plan so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a good kid well I, we, so i want to kind of maybe put this in perspective so i start so in 1997 it was it was october uh i was in school i was 23 23 24 years old i maybe uh, 24 and i want i knew i wanted to learn about money i knew i wanted to i've shared this story but i just i didn't really get a lot of financial literacy <laughs> when i was little yeah, I was like, you know, it's interesting, like, maybe you should share a story about, like, when you were kids, like, selling, you're out selling um, perfume. Oh. <laughs> yes, that's, see, that's where my boys get it. Like, so, yeah, matter of fact, so before, so, at, let's say I was about 20 at that, at that time, maybe 19, 20, and I got talked into this business where we'd go out and sell perfume and cologne business to business, like, just literally take a box of cologne and perfume. It's the real stuff, right? <laughs> Made in a different lab. And boy, it smelled like crap. I can't believe I sold. But anyway, I sold a ton of that stuff. I actually did very well. I made a lot of money. And I kept telling my dad, this is like, now I'm going to get my own team and I'm going to train them. And my Sounds dad. familiar. Oh, yes, I know. Oh, Jake is, he's, we are a lot alike. And my dad just looked at me and he shook his head and he said, Cody, <laughs> I'm just worried about you. And I, I remember looking at him and saying, dad, and I was, oh, this was, if, if I was him, I would have hit me. I mean, I was so cocky. He, I just said, I said, dad, I don't want to have money problems like you've had. I don't want to have that stress in my life and I'm going to make it happen. And he looked at me and like, now looking back on it, oh my gosh, like he was, he was right, right? I mean, yeah. just... The stuff, it was just a bad, there was bad people in the business. I was around people partying and doing crazy stuff. And anyway, I, I'm, I'm very grateful I made the decision to finally give up on that dream. because I, I hung in there. I, I hung in there. And uh, anyway, so I, I finally let go of that and decided to go a different direction. And thank God. But it, it did give me uh, some skills, right? It gave me some skills. Uh, to to talk to people and and to, and to sell, you gotta you gotta know how. I mean, whatever you're doing for a living, you're you're in sales. Like we're all in sales, but to me, sales is more just relationship. It's it's you trust me, I trust you. You know, we, we, we there's there's pure transparency between what we're talking about, and and that's where that trust comes from. And so uh, that's yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. About that because I think that it's a good like you know, you know that, development. Absolutely, it shaped that. That shaped kind of. I Why knew you do I, what I, you knew do I wanted. I knew I wanted to not work for someone. I because I, I, I had my freedom. I knew I could sell. I knew I could. I wasn't a. You know. I, so it did help me in some ways. <laughs> so coming back to my story, so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and and I was going to school. And we were having kids, and anyway, I so I I interviewed with Fidelity, and and I waited maybe two months I kept calling them like where are we at with this they were going to pay for all my licenses they were going to give me health insurance and train me and and so I, I just had, hadn't heard back from them and I was in a hurry and so I my anyway I was home one night my my dad called me and said hey our neighbor works for an, this other firm and 
it was mainly an insurance company. Well, it was, it was New England Financial. I mean, I guess I can say it's in my... It's in my yeah, it's in your... Uh, you know, New England Financial. And so New England Financial, uh, they were mainly an insurance company. And anyway, I didn't really realize that, you know, so I went in for an interview and, and they, they, they offered me the job right on the spot. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I must be really good, <laughs> you know? But I had no idea. They really just kind of hired everyone that, you know, had a half a brain and wanted to, to go out and sell. Oh, yeah. Trust me. Like, you know, all the recruiters from New York Life, Transamerica, you know, Primerica back at the time were just yeah. like recruiting everybody. Yeah. I get emails every day. It's like, oh, yeah, I saw your resume on such and such and come work for me. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you do and it's not my, yeah. it's not my thing. Yeah. Back in the days. Yeah. Back in the days. Well, you decided to go a different route, which is a CPA, which frankly, if I could go back. I fell into that. Well, lap. Yeah. And I'd love to, I, actually, I don't know the full story on how you fell into that. So I would like to hear that. But if I could go back, I'll tell you that's, I would go into accounting and I would get, I would get my CPA certificate. And I look at your face and you're like, oh, no, I, I had to get it because of my mom's business. <laughs> that's yeah. the, that's the yeah. only reason, you know, but it kind of worked out in the long run. But still, it's like it hasn't really been my passion. Yeah, it's OK. Yeah, it, it works. I'll go back to my story. But like what 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 is your specialty? What What, what is it you are good at? What do you do? As a CPA? Well, I'm good at like budgeting and like helping businesses like kind of look at where they're, where they're leaking money and trying mm. to help them with that. And then also like do planning, you know, with tax planning mm-hmm. as well. Like, okay, what do you need to do to, you know, to help them reduce taxes or even, you know, plan ahead for, you know, what we do is like, in retirement, okay, and then if they're trying to exit a business, like how to pay less to Uncle Sam. For sure. And we had an argument with someone the other day. It's like, can you eliminate taxes? And you're like, no, that's you shouldn't. We shouldn't use that term, but we can reduce taxes. And I like how I liked how you clarified that because some people and and it's I don't think it's I don't know if it's illegal to say that. It's I think it's unethical. Yeah. To say uh, we can eliminate your taxes. That that means you're, you know, you're getting rid of those taxes. Now, are there there ways to eliminate certain taxes? Yes. Yes, but not, yeah. (laughs) But but probably not the whole pile. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of taxes. But anyway, I appreciate, I appreciate that. So, yeah. So I, I was like totally blown away that they hired me. I came home and told Becky, I was like, hey, we're, (laughs) I'm hired and we're celebrating, you know, woo. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I had no idea that, that they pretty much hired everyone that came in and, and, Interestingly enough, it was about two weeks after I'd gone in, we, they had agreed to pay for my licensing to get, you know, get my insurance license. And then, and then I would go on to get my securities license. But, uh, I got a call from Fidelity, uh, offering an interview and I'm like, heck no, I'm already working, you know, <laughs> da, 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 and sticking my tongue out at him kind of, but anyway, so I, I decided to work there and then. Fidelity was directly across the street. Well, one of my best friends ended up going over to Fidelity. So I was able to kind of watch him grow up in the investment world. You know, really, they're, you know, and it's kind of, so this is, there's a point to this story. 
And I would watch John and he was like, he would send me over these portfolios he's building, you know, with these mutual funds. And it was just like, he loved it. He was, his passion and it was, it, you know, it was fun. And then I would say, well, you know, maybe you should look at using uh, some indexed universal life for this client. If they've got that much money, you know, they've got some, maybe some tax issues and I would send him stuff and he'd send me stuff. And, but the, the bottom line is who, who did we represent? Ultimately, I, I represented New England Financial as an agent, right? He represented Fidelity as a representative of Fidelity. We didn't represent the client. And so what happened is because I was good at sales, I, I, was, I think me, well, and Eric Stewart is still in, in the business in a different capacity, but I don't, there's no one that came through those doors that is still in the business. And I, and I was there set, close to seven years, and I stayed there seven years just to learn. I wanted to learn about the basics and, and then starting with insurance and then I got securities licensed. And anyway, but I, even as a securities licensee, I still represented New England securities, right? So when did you become enlightened that you so, need to represent the client? <laughs> you know, and, and it's unfortunate, isn't it, that we have to have this conversation because I feel like in my heart, I've always tried to truly, like, would I do that for myself? That, that's the question I always ask. Would I do that for myself in that situation? I, but what happened is I kept telling New England, listen, you guys got to put a financial planning uh, department together so that we can do full planning and charge for that advice. That's where, that's where the industry's going. That's what clients want. They, they want, they want a, uh, you know, a financial plan. That's, that's as much as I really knew at that point. And so I started to look around and I found American Express financial advisors. And with my experience, I, I went in and, and joined them. And, and from all the research I had done, they, they had put the best comprehensive financial planning program, training program uh, that was available in place uh, with a big firm. And so that's, I, they, had a, they had the name. I felt like they were doing business correctly. They were charging a fee for advice. And, and, I, and, and they taught me how to do that. Best experience of my life. But no one there knew, understood insurance. And so after I was there six months and they're like, whoa, you really understand insurance? And they put me into management because I could, I could sell insurance. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, but, and, and that's where I, I, I learned to love the business. I really did. And I was working with other advisors. I was working with my clients and, and just, just learning. But I learned about some laws that were in place that had kind of, you know, changed the way that, that we do business. So, so back in the Great Depression, 19, the end of 1920s, there was a law that was put into place called the Glass-Steagall Act. And then essentially after the Great Depression, it was put into place so that insurance companies and, and, and commercial banking and um, uh, security firms, wirehouses, they, they couldn't, they couldn't commingle their business, so to speak. So, you know, we've talked about this in other podcasts, I think. So that was, so I, I, as a representative of New England Financial, I was representing them as as a life insurance agent. Well, they changed that law uh, right after I got into the business. So I, I went ahead and got securities licensed and, uh, but I still wasn't a fiduciary at that point, so I was just still representing New England security, or uh, uh, and then, yeah, New England. Uh, yeah, New England, and I carried that over to American Express. But 
So at American Express is where I got my fiduciary license, which is your registered investment advisory license. And it's, it's it, not to overcomplicate it, it's a series 65. It's a really hard exam. And, 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 and that's, that's when you're enabled by law to, to stand out as a fiduciary. Now I also am a chartered financial consultant. So that also uh, holds me out as a fiduciary. And then you're a CPA and that just automatically by law makes you a fiduciary. So that's when it really, the tide started to change. I'm like, gosh, you know, I, I can charge for my advice and, and, and people will pay for it if, 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 if I'm valuable in their lives and so not if this product is the best, you know, or, or the highest returning, you know, product out there or whatever the case is. Like it was about relationships and understanding, you know, my client's goals and, and, and then going and actually getting paid to do the analysis because before you don't get paid until you sell something, right? Right. And, and, and people, you know, it's just, you want to, my innermost dream is to give the best uh, advice to spend as much time finding, getting the best advice and then giving that advice and then getting paid for, for that advice that, that no one can take that away from me. So I, you know, I watched, and John, I think he's still in the business, <laughs> still with okay. Fidelity. And, uh, you know, he's, I'm sure he has a great pension and, and uh, retirement, but, he, but he's, you know, you call into Fidelity, they, re they just, they represent Fidelity. And it's important to understand that. So when did you decide to go independent and what makes, what prompted you to make that decision? So I went into management and just got really good at my craft. Like I just, that's what I was focusing on. I was just, I was just in meetings all day. And after a, about seven years, the Phil vice president left. And so they put me in that position temporarily. And we were doing awesome. Like, I'm, I'm a local guy. I, I was very, I was, I, it was kind of a hard, you know, you go through some of these hard cases, but uh, we had about 150 advisors maybe. And so I was running the office on a temporary basis. Well, I thought I had the job. But I didn't know they had opened it up to every advisor in the country. <laughs> and this young, that, so they brought in the number one manager from, he was like 22 years old from San Francisco. They, they gave him the job. Well, they, they took me out to dinner and handed me a bunch of stock options <laughs> and asked me to please stay. Uh, but that they offered the, the main job to, to this other guy. And I'm, so I took, I took my stock options and I went back and packed up my office. <laughs> and I said, I'm going independent. And I, I started my own firm. That was in 2000, um, 2009, so right after the, yep. the crash. February 2009. Yeah, New England actually asked me to come back and run their office, and that was 2008. And they didn't really have an office, and the markets tumbled, and I just said, you know, enough. I, I, I'm just tired of worrying about other people. I want to worry about my clients. So I just said, I'm, I, so in 2009, I went independent and started my own firm. And it's, it's honestly been the best decision I ever made, but I'm so grateful for all that training. And I'll tell you, if you're looking at going into this business or you know someone that's looking to go into this business, have them reach out to me because you really want, you know, if I knew up front, like how to do this, unfortunately, when you, when, when you're a new advisor, you're, you're learning. Yeah. And then you take that because they, that's why they recruit like young graduates yep. right out of college and to say, Hey, come more, you know, I almost got um, lured into Primerica. Oh, oh yeah. 
but that's like a more and it just didn't sound appealing to me it's like you're selling insurance but it's like a multi-level marketing yeah. kind of thing yeah. and i'm like i'm not this is not for me i can't sell you can sell you actually that's why you can sell like you you're not a sales person like you wouldn't say oh there's kathy <laughs> but you are very direct you're very transparent oh, oh, sometimes overly direct <laughs> um very you know you, we've gotten into arguments you know, in front of clients about different issues. And I like the fact that you, you're smart and you're intelligent and you, you're not afraid to, to say what you think. It's about perspective too. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Yeah. We, and we, and we diff definitely have different perspective on some things. Yeah. I think that's why now our office is like, I'm on the third floor and you're on the first floor. <laughs> yeah. We had to kind of separate a little bit. But, you know, coming back to this financial advisor thing. So what happened is in 1998, 99, uh, there's a bill that got passed. It's called the Graham-Leachy-Biley Act of 1999. And essentially, they were trying to kind of bolster the financial services industry. And so that allowed, that kind of repealed the Glass-Steagall Act and it allowed advisors to uh, or allowed insurance companies to sell banking products and banks to sell insurance products and security firms to sell. So it allows cross-breeding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, you had insurance agents that were calling themselves financial advisors. You had uh, wirehouse brokers that were calling themselves financial advisors. And, and they're, all they're doing is, you know, making sales on these on these trades trying to earn a commission i mean that's not a financial advisor <laughs> you know they're they're generating a commission same with selling insurance uh now banks have done you know they've they've delved in into you go into any bank now they're trying to sell you cds they're trying to sell you securities a lot of them have a little office for investments home loans home loans car loans yeah. everything insurance yeah right so so that's why it's important to understand who you're working with uh now, it's, if I go into a bank and I'm talking to someone at Mountain America or I'm talking to someone, at, we, we bank at U.S. Bank, Mountain America, I know they, they work for the bank. I know that. But if they just have an office and call them, you know, Lewis Financial Planning, I, I, I don't. So, so how can a client know, like, Sometimes who, who smaller banks have, like, you know, they're contracted with, like, a financial advisor or there's, like, okay, if, some, if a client comes in and wants to talk to an investment, then they refer out like smaller banks oh smaller yes yeah yep, so. yep. yeah they have relationships with yeah yep, absolutely well so the department of labor because of the uh, kind of the abuse of that term the department of labor's tried to try to get involved so uh the department of labor tried to bring out something called the fiduciary rule which was uh originally scheduled to be placed into effect in april of 2017 in June of 2018, the U.S. Fifth Court Circuit of Appeals officially vacated the rule, effectively killing it. Uh, according to the language, but, but, <laughs> according to the language uh, from the former Department of Labor Secretary, Alexander Acosta, he stated that in May of 2019 that they were working with the SEC to resurrect this fiduciary rule. So this is important because, and, and why did it not pass, first of all? So this is the Department of Labor coming in and saying, hey, we need to mandate that if you're in the financial service industry and you're, get, and you're calling yourself a financial advisor, you must be a licensed fiduciary. You know, why would that not pass? 
lobbyists <laughs> from certain companies of which industry? Financial, <laughs> yeah. Insurance, and insurance companies don't yeah. want their agents to have you know have to, to go get licensed to be a fiduciary. That's expensive. There's compliance. There's there's costs associated with that, right? And there's also legalities associated mm -hmm. with that. So, so they, you know, these big banks didn't want it, right? So you have banking lobbyists, you have insurance lobbyists, you have, you know, I think the wirehouses were, were you know, I don't know the details, but I would assume they're probably okay with it. But bottom line is, I, I, I was for this bill. Be, you know, everyone was freaking out. I remember like going to big meetings, and everyone's like, "What do we do now? We gotta." It's like go get licensed. <laughs> Just go get your. You know, I was like, this is a good thing because it's going to get rid of like half of the, you know, half of the, the people that are just trying to sell stuff. Anyway, so it didn't go through. It, it could come back, but it essentially is saying if you're if you're in the financial world and you're giving advice on retirement planning or financial planning, you have to be a licensed fiduciary. To call yourself a financial advisor, you have to be a licensed fiduciary. And most of those are like CFP and CHFC. Right, those are well, and this series of four securities at series 65. Okay, but yeah. I, I have six, 63, 65. I had my seven, which is you know just another kind of broker license, and I, I let that one go um, because I don't need that. So, let's talk about with all these laws and 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 these terms, how do we get paid, and how can clients know uh, what who you know what, what questions can they ask? To, to know who they're working with and, and what's important for, for them to ask. What they're paying for. Yeah. Seriously, as a client, that's the first thing you want to know. It's like, what am I paying for? What's my cost? Mm -hmm. How much is it going to cost me? How do we get paid? Can, maybe can you just explain that real fast? So we get paid for advice So for to do the, the planning like work of everything because we don't give advice without doing the planning mm -hmm. because we have to understand your overall situation yep. first because if they're just going in and just give say hey go invest in this like that's not a good sound advice like you can't you have to know their whole picture you have to know their goals and objectives you have to understand what's um what's important to them mm -hmm. you have to make sure that you're that the client doesn't have risks that could, you know, pretty much cripple their plan or kill their plan, yep. right? So there's a lot of pieces, moving pieces in within that plan. So that's the first thing is the first way we get paid. Second is um, when you implement or do investments through Cody because you're a securities license, mm -hmm. um, then... He charges a percentage and that percentage, like it's just one flat fee that's coming out of, out of the client's accounts. And then, then you split that with um, money managers or whoever, you know, our investment team. Yep. Third is um, you get paid a finder's fee for insurance or annuities. Yeah, I'd kind of lump that into the previous one. I was the third one, in my opinion, is like referrals. referrals. Like if yep. we get a referral, it's like that. Just you know, that's the that's the best compensation I could ever receive. It's like, hey, you, you know, if someone says you did such a good job, we're going to refer you. So that, like that's amazing. It's referrals, and then referrals 
to us equals trust. Yeah. And, and to be clear, it's not compensation. Yeah. But it, it is, lets us know that we're doing our job or, or that you're. And that you're happy that with. That you're happy. The Absolutely. job that we're doing for you. You know, one, one issue that we, we seem to see a lot. Well, a, a couple things and then we'll end. The first thing is you know that like people come in and the first thing they want to do is talk about their money, their portfolio. Yep. And we, we, we just tell people it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you just are focused on that, then you could lose it, right? You could, you could lose it in, 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 a, in a myriad of ways. So yep. It could be a job loss. You could get disabled you could you could die prematurely like you could get sued you could get yeah, yeah. there's there's if you own a business you have liability there right well even if you on have a children. personal yeah, <laughs> yeah if you have children that's your biggest liability yeah. right now <laughs> anyway. you know so there's like you know and that's why we call those plot twists because they're life-changing events that could kill your plan or have an effect on your family mm-hmm. it doesn't matter yeah just it that that's You've got to do the planning first. And, and, and yeah, that's why planning is critical. If you just want to come in and just talk investment, I'm sorry. Yeah. This is not for you. So, so that's the first thing I wanted to cover. The second piece and the last piece is we see so many people come in and they're investing in mutual funds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I just want to be really clear on this because if you're investing in mutual funds and you open the – where can you find how much you're paying – for those funds or for your advice. Okay, so they're, they're, I'm gonna I'm gonna detail this out a little bit. So when when people come into our office and they hand us their statements, let's let's take my New York Life um, stock. I mean, or mutual funds, for example. That, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we had a client with a similar situation. Yeah. That you know, there's they're like, okay, I don't know. Like honestly, when I got into that, I don't know what I was paying for. I'm yeah. just like. Okay, is this by shares? But I don't know the mechanics inside of a mutual funds mm-hmm. until I met you. Yep. But I didn't, you know. But I had gotten out of that way before. Yeah, I met you, so oh, that was oh, I said, no. yeah, out of that portfolio. Out of that portfolio because it's just like you know, it's like my mom started like you know with my the way she does planning is like you're going to die soon. So I'm just going to buy you life insurance. But then the way that life insurance was sold to her, it's a whole life policy. Mm -hmm. And it's also like, oh yeah, she can take money out for school. So that's kind of what sold to my mom is like school. Oh yeah. And then like when she invests, like, you know, oh, keep like, so I started like putting $50 a month into a mutual funds, you know, every month and it grows and you, you see it, but you don't know, like, Honestly, I was naive. I don't. I didn't know what it yeah. was. Well, the important part is you were saving, and and you've done well for yourself because you created good habits at a very young age. So that that that's the most important thing. My reason for like going to school and save is like I want to run away from home. <laughs> at some point. At some point. So I you ran run. away. You ran away to Berkeley to go get your master's. Yeah. <laughs> and your mom was upset. My mom's upset because she lost a free labor. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like we'll have people come in and I'm like, how, you know, when, it, when, when we get to the investments, I'll ask, you know, the first question I'll ask is how much, how much are, are you paying? I, I don't know that I've ever had anyone say, this is what I pay. Yep. This is what I pay. And if they do, 
and I then I break it out for them. They <laughs> they 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 were unaware of the of of the other charges. But when when you buy a mutual fund and any investment, the, if you don't understand the costs associated with that, because cost what it does is it brings down your overall return. It's gonna it's gonna slow the growth. Sometimes those costs are are appropriate. Sometimes they're not. But in a mutual fund, which is what most people are out there buying, okay, and not to throw any company under the bus and bring him back, my friend, you know, John, uh, the, the, the industry has changed, okay, and, and so, but whatever, whatever you're investing in, it could be mutual funds, ETFs, whatever, you know, uh, individual securities. In the, the reason mutual funds are so hairy is because to know the fee, all you have to do is open the prospectus and it'll show you the management fee. It'll also show you uh, some other minor fees in there like marketing and, and it'll kind of add that up for you. Yeah, so who's going to open the pers- prospectus and look at like a five-point font <laughs> and with a magnifying glass and yeah. go read line by line, right? Unless yeah. you're me bored trying to get away from my mom <laughs> under the blankets. So, you know, certainly those, yeah, you're right. What is a prospectus? 200 pages long, you know. Yeah, with a five-point font. Yeah, with a five-point font, exactly. They don't obviously want to put the fee on the front page in in bold letters. Here is your fee, okay? Because even when you find that fee, what people don't understand is that's the management fee. There's a lot of other fees that are going on inside of that account that you you are not responsible for, but you still have to pay. Yep. In other words, you don't, you got no value, actually less value because other people are making transactions. You don't own anything when you own a mutual fund. You own a percentage of that fund, right? Like point zero zero. Yeah, it's it's a you know it's a very you know you probably have a, a another hundred thousand two hundred thousand investors in that fund. Whatever the case is, anytime someone makes a deposit or a withdrawal, there's a transaction charge. Mm-hmm. Who pays that? You own a percentage of that fund, so you pay your percent of that person's transaction. Well, that person's an idiot because the market just went down, so they took all their money out, then they put all their money back in, and then they took it all out, and you're sitting there going, I'm a smart advisor, yeah, I'm paying for him, his, <laughs> their stupidity. So that's what happens. You're paying all these, tra- and those transaction charges don't have to be disclosed in the prospectus. Now, I can find, there's ways to find them because yep. they're there, and they have to be reported. And that's why, you know, um, I love that you offer the free investment audit blueprint. Yep. Like if you're unsure what you're, you know, of what's in, what fees are inside your portfolio or in your whole investments, you know, bring it in. Yep. Yeah. And, that, yeah, and to your point, like we'll, we'll say, okay, here's all your transaction costs, you know, and then there's also soft dollar costs. Those, mutual fund companies working with insurance companies and they're buying each other mills and all that swank and all, you know, that soft dollar stuff you don't see and it's, it's going on. So anyway, I, you know, and then on top of all that, you have your advisor fee. So you have yep. a financial advisor and he's charging you a fee to do all this. Well, to do all this, to manage all these other costs. <laughs> like, so you just have to be careful because if you're earning, you know, an 8% return and your fees are, you know, somewhere up north of three, three and a half, we've seen recently, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. Uh, that's that really slows down your ability to be successful. So, with that said, so but there there will be times where you will use mutual funds. Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely it's it's not just like you know but it's not you're just saying that it's not the main our main investment exactly yeah yeah, yeah people want you know diversification so we really have moved to eat we we like well we like individual stock because individual stock has no intrinsic cost right there's no management fee on that stock there's no trade you know the only trading cost would be well our clients would have none but if you're if you're buying or selling that stock you you would pay that transaction cost if you're doing it out on your own but what we find is that people have you know most people have 10 to 13 mutual funds in one account and 10 to 13 in another account and we look at you know so for what they're paying for we show them what they own or what they think they own because they don't own anything they own a percentage of that fund so what they typically own is the entire market and i'm like you're paying three and a half percent well let's just say two and a half internally on the funds and then your trading costs and then your financial advisor's charging you one and a half whatever the case is now you're getting upwards of three three and a half percent but you're paying about five percent in costs. Well, I'd say three, yeah. three and a half. Three but, and a half. But if you're returning, if, if you're returning five percent, let's just keep yeah. it simple. You know that you're, you're netting one and a half to two. <laughs> you know, over a twenty-year period, you you do the math on that. That is, that's a, it. Depends on the size of the portfolio. I don't yeah. care. I can give you an example with a, a little bit of money, and it makes a huge. It does difference. make a huge difference. And I've seen that. So we've told people, listen, you don't need to hire us, but you own the whole market. Just go buy an ETF that mimics what you're, what you own. Yep. Go to Vanguard, call Vanguard, call Fidelity, say I want this ETF, and it represents what you own right now. And you're going to pay ten, maybe ten basis points, one tenth of a percent. <laughs> you know, you want to save three and a half percent. You you want I can guarantee you'll increase your return three and a half percent a year. For 20 years so anyway it's important to understand what you own if you own it and what you're paying for it Anyway, i just i wanted to kind of that that's been a passion of mine that uh again i always try and put myself in the client seat what do i need to know what do i what do i want to know and what's what's important for me to know to be successful as, as a client and then i can as an advisor try and uh, give that to you a little in a, little, in a little more transparency and ho hopefully we can simplify it a little bit too. And honestly, if your advisor aren't talking to you about planning or about other risks, you know, reach fire, out to us, fire them, honestly, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, because it's just like, you're just like when, when you call yourself a financial advisor, yeah, a lot, I think like people just say like, have investment in their brain oh absolutely but it all starts with planning mm -hmm. proper plan no matter how good like if you're if your advisor saying like oh yeah i can get you a 20 percent return on your portfolio with like minimal downside risk whatever i don't care if that's all he talks about it's no it should start with planning everywhere you got to have a blueprint a roadmap. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, imagine building a house without a blueprint. I mean, you can't do it, right? You like, can't it, even be get weird. a permit. I'm going to, yeah. But, I mean, I could put some walls up in my basement, and I can, you know, make it work as I go, or I can actually put a plan on paper together first. Even building a dollhouse, you still need a plan. <laughs> Changing a tire. Uh, 
Yeah. We didn't have a plan. Well, no, we pulled out the plan. We pulled out the plan. We pulled out the <laughs> manual because he couldn't get the lug nut or then the bolts or whatever you call that yeah, thing that out. German engineering to get the cover off the lug nut was a little... It needs a special tool. <laughs> a special tool. I'm like, this damn German engineering. And then once I got to the lug nut, I was... I, hey, I was... Yeah, and then somebody put the bolts in the wrong hole. Moving on. Okay, well, with that said, uh, no, I, I, I think that's why we work really well together. We, 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 have the, we, we ultimately have the same philosophy. You know, what's your legacy that you want to leave? How do you omit the risk? How do you add value to your assets? And how do you exit with grace? Yep. Love, baby. Love. Yep. Everybody's motivated by love. Not everyone. 90%. Let's say 90 to 95 to 99.9%. Okay. At least like, you know, at least that person, if they don't love everybody else, they love themselves. Well, and that's, so. you know, it's okay. Yeah. We, we work still. with a lot of people that just have, right. They, but they, they care about their situation. They yep. care about the outcome. Yes. And you see a lot of people say, make money. Let's go. Growth, 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 growth. You know, can you give me this? Can you give me that? Let's, let's come back to the plan. What, what, what are yeah. you trying to accomplish? And What's your goals? Exactly. What are you, where are you trying to be in 10 years? What, you know, in retirement, what's your goals? Okay, when those goal changes, let's figure out, you know, how do we get there? What do we need to, to move or change to, for you to get there? Yeah. We understand your goals and objectives change. Yeah, and so do the assumptions we're using for, yep. for that plan, right? So it's it's good to have that blueprint in front of you, or you know, know what the plan is. And when that plan change, you know, then we tweak the plan, we modify the plan for that um, goals and objectives. Yep, exactly. I love it. I love this business. I think it's probably, in my opinion, the just the at this time in the history of the world like i don't i don't wouldn't ever i wouldn't want to be in an, in another business i just there's a lot of there's a lot of risk out there there's a lot of unknowns okay um one thing that i really like you know with ai coming oh yes you know yeah. there it's just like you know could i think like ai was just like you know maybe they want to do trading and mm -hmm. all that. Like, do you think AI will take over the financial service industry? It's going to change it drastically. It's going to change a myriad of industries in a big, big way. But yes, financial planning will be one of those because, and it's already started. We call them robo advisors and, it, and it's like a digital platform and they can, they'll use algorithms to help you invest and that kind of stuff. And you, you don't get the, the one-on-one -on -one or the face-to-face. Kind of -face. like, you know, people that have been using like Elliot's Wave to do like on their Yeah, there's, there, there's different yeah. algorithms out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so AI, uh, yeah, and I, you know, we're already using it. It's like Three Edge uses the same AI as far as their sector rotation and where to be based on what's going on in the economy. And AI can be hugely helpful. You don't need some manager sitting there. I mean, the amount of data that it can look at to give you advice, that's incredible. So absolutely, is it going to, yes, it's going to change. But you, you know, at a certain point, I think, you know, somewhere probably around 250 to 500,000 of assets, you want to really start to, to look for a relationship with someone that can work with you and, and use that AI and, you know, package it all up and, 
and increase it because that's only going to increase your certainty of success. You, you, you always need that account of not always, but most people need some accountability. Yep. And then how do we use that AI for your specific situation? Right. Cause not every situation is the same. So I'm excited. Actually, this chat GPT is it's incredible. And it's, it's just enabled. I think it's going to enable people to just, the world's changing. Wow. It's just, it's going to, it's going to change a lot of industries. Yeah. The only, um, the only worries with chat GPT is like in schools with kids, like oh, yeah. telling there's, there's a write. lot of, listen, I, yeah, we could go down a rabbit hole. Yep, there, like, but that's like, you know, that's a, kids these days lack common sense already. <laughs> and then like you add chat GPT to it. It's like, uh, no, like maybe next time they're like, they'll, they'll have a chip embedded in them. It's like, <laughs> keep walking straight. Okay. There's a pole 20. Uh-huh. 20 yards uh, up, be careful, <laughs> tweak to the left. Oh, like, seriously, dude. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it for this week. All right. Do you, do, you, do you trust me to drive us home safe on, <laughs> on a spare tire? We just go slow and yeah, try to yeah, get we'll our tires fixed. But in the meantime. With that said. Be safe. Peace out. Peace out. The material is provided for general information and educational purposes and is based on information provided to us by sources deemed to be reliable. Past performance is no guarantee of future results and asset values will fluctuate with changing market conditions. All investments are uninsured and can lose value. All expressions of opinions are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. Data contained herein from third-party providers is obtained from what are considered reliable sources. However, its accuracy, completeness, or reliability cannot be guaranteed. Examples provided are for illustrative purposes only and not intended to be reflective of results you can expect to achieve. Past performance is no guarantee of future results and the opinion presented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance. This information does not constitute investment advice and is not offered to buy or sell securities. This information is provided for informational purposes only. Information herein is not warranted to be correct, complete, or accurate. Proactive wealth management is and its representative do not provide tax or legal advice. Each taxpayer should seek independent advice from a tax professional based on his or her individual circumstances. Cody Lewis is a registered representative of Proactive Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Proactive Wealth Management is not affiliated with any other name entity. The firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempt from registration requirements. That's it for this week's episode of Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody Kathy. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. This is Cody and Kathy wishing you a love-filled life full of prosperity. Have a good week. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs>